Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to episode number 198 of the Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Chris Tripodi, and I'm joined by Tony Pauline, as always, and we're back once again this week with our looks ahead to the 2021 college football season and the 2022 NFL Draft. Today, we'll discuss two smaller conferences, Conference USA and the Sun Belt. Lots of teams to go over in this show, Tony. What can you tell us about them? Really a terrible year. Uh, in Conference USA, who had a third-round pick in Milton Williams from Louisiana Tech last year. The only reason right now there's a draftable prospect or a prospect with a draftable grade is because, as we'll speak, uh, D'Angelo Malone of Western Kentucky decided to go back for a sixth year uh, or for a second senior year, whatever you like to call it. Better year in, in Sunbelt. The Sunbelt's got some, some surprising prospects, as they usually do. Better numbers in the Sunbelt as well, which we'll get into. Now, we will get into all of that this week's show in just a minute. But first, a word from our sponsor. The month of July is heating up with a ton of exciting sports action. And Bet Online is where you can find it. From basketball and hockey playoffs, which are about to wrap up, to baseball's marquee matchups, including prop bets and futures, Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head on over to betonline.ag and start playing today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Now, Conference USA, as Tony mentioned, kind of a down year, just three players drafted in April. Milton Williams, the Louisiana Tech defensive end, as Tony mentioned, in the third round to Philly. And the others in round four, Marshall tackle Josh Ball to the Cowboys and North Texas wide receiver Jalen Darden to the Bucks. The Sun Belt had one more player taken than Conference USA with four. But all after the three that I mentioned before, Appalachian State cornerback Shamar Jean Charles in round five, Coastal Carolina defensive end Teron Jackson and Louisiana running back Elijah Mitchell in the sixth and South Alabama wide receiver Kwan Baker in round seven. Conference USA, though, doesn't project to do much better in the 2022 draft, but the Sun Belt, on the other hand, has over a dozen draftable players on your board, Tony. Could it be a banner year for the conference? Yeah, I think so. I don't think there's going to be any real high picks, uh, maybe some second day picks, but you know, the Sun Belt is slowly, slowly building itself up into a, a real good conference. And as we'll talk about, it's one team that seems to be rising to the forefront, and that's Coastal Carolina. Now, our first team of the night, as we'll start with Conference USA here, is Florida Atlantic. Eight draft picks over the past decade, none in 2021, and possibly none in 2022 either. The Owls are headlined by two pass catchers named Mitchell, neither of whom played last season. Tight end Zaire Mitchell transferred from Division II Notre Dame College, traditional tight end size at around 250 pounds, 85 catches for 1,008 yards and 10 touchdowns over the last two seasons as a starter for the Falcons. And wide receiver John Mitchell, a knee injury kept him out last year, 38 receptions for 488 yards and five scores in 2019 as a first-year starter. Any shot we see of Mitchell from FAU in the 2022 draft, Tony? 
possibly if they have good years. I mean, Zaire Mitchell coming into last year was given a high grade by a lot of scouts. And when I say high grade, I mean day two, early day three grade. He's basically an offensive guard. Uh, he's a tight end in an offensive guard's body, I should say. He's more of a blocker, though he catches the ball very well. Not the fastest guy in the world. I think he made the right decision transferring from Notre Dame College to Florida Atlantic, uh, where they're going to throw the ball while he'll be used more. John Mitchell, you go back off the 2019 film, looked like a real good prospect. Excellent size at 6'3 and a half, 220 pounds, runs and plays in the mid four fives, a smart player, sure-handed, big-body possession receiver. You know, like a lot of the other guys we've talked about, struggles to get separation, but catches the ball very well. I think both of those guys will need big seasons and good pre-draft workouts, but do have an outside shot of sliding into the late rounds. Now staying in the Sunshine State, moving over to Florida International, seven draft selections this decade had two in 2020, including friend of the show, quarterback James Morgan. None in April, though, and like FAU, likely none next April. Running back Devontae Price finally got to start as a senior. He's now back for his second senior year. 85 carries for 581 yards and four touchdowns on the ground in five games last year. Only five catches for the bruising back, though. Tony, I assume that's going to limit his NFL potential quite a bit. On my board, yes. I mean, he's basically a downhill between the tackles runner. He does very good picking up a lot of yardage off initial contact, but he's not a breakaway threat. He's a decent pass catcher, not a great pass catcher. He's not a guy who can turn the perimeter. Here's the thing. I have him as a free agent. There are a lot of scouts that have him as a free agent. There are some scouts that shockingly have Devonta Price as a day two selection. I don't agree with it. I don't see with it because, as you pointed out, he's got limitations. But it's something to keep in the back of your mind. I think he's going to need not only a huge season, but he's going to need some great workouts prior to the draft. Not just 40 times, but good shuttle times, etc. displaying the ability to catch the ball in the backfield. I just think he's limited. And I was shocked when I spoke to scouts and some of them said, yeah, day two prospect. Now, Louisiana Tech had the highest drafted player from Conference USA in April, aforementioned Milton Williams, the defensive tackle. Six-year draft streak going as well, but only one player has a real shot to keep that going for 2022. That's another running back, Marcus Williams, graduate transfer from Appalachian State, 181 carries for 1,155 yards and eight touchdowns over the past two seasons. Just four catches, though. He should see the biggest role of his career this year, though. Do the Bulldogs extend their draft streak to seven years, Tony? It may be a stretch, but it's not out of the question. I mean, Marcus William, when he was uh, the prime ball handler at uh, Louisiana, at uh, Appalachian State, I should say, really looked like a real good prospect. He's coming into the season with freezing grades, but he's got decent size at over 205 pounds. He plays relatively fast for a running back. As you mentioned, minimal pass catching production, although they really didn't need the running backs to catch the ball that much at Appalachian State, as we'll get into later on. I think he's got an outside chance. I think moving to Louisiana Tech was a good move for him. He'll probably get a share of carries uh, this year with both of uh, Tech's uh, running backs moving on to the NFL. Now, Marshall, after a four-year draft route, three picks over the last two years, including fourth-rounder Josh Ball in April, likely to start another drought, though, in 2022. The Thundering Herd's top prospects are safeties Derek Pitts and Brandon Drayton. Both are best as box safety types, limited ball production, but Pitts had 42 tackles in 2020. Drayton had 45. Tony, break down these two safeties for us. Yeah, I mean, Pitts is a guy who shows ability against the pass. He goes sideline to sideline. He was someone who caught my eye off of the film as a fourth-year junior. Drayton is a, uh, is a player who some scouts uh, grade as a six-round choice. I think he's more of a 
you know, strong safety type who's going to be a free agent. One guy to keep an eye on who was a transfer to Marshall, went from Nebraska, was, has been all over the place, receiver Jerron Woodward, 5'10", 177 pounds, plays fast, has shown himself to be a downfield threat, really hasn't cemented himself anywhere the past couple of years, but he's got a lot of upside to his game. Now, Middle Tennessee State, just three picks this decade, none since seventh rounder Richie James in 2018, but 2016 third rounder Kevin Byard is an all-pro safety, and the Blue Raiders have another safety with borderline draftable grades, and that's Reed Blankenship has led the team in tackles two of the past three seasons, six interceptions and 11 pass breakups in that span as well. Solid college player who really doesn't protect all that well to the NFL. Speaking of which, Linebacker DQ Thomas flies around the field, makes plays behind the line of scrimmage, 32 and a half tackles for loss and 12 and a half sacks over the past three seasons, along with a ton of tackles. Great production. Again, Tony, tell us why we're again, less likely than not to see a blue Raider player drafted. Yeah. You know, you got Reed Blankenship, who's almost a linebacker size safety. And then you got DQ Thomas, who's a safety size linebacker, but Blankenship is smart. He's tough. He flies around the football. He stands out on film but he doesn't have great speed. I mean, you're talking about a safety who runs in the mid four sixes. If he gets drafted, it will be very late. And you're going to bring him on as a fourth safety special teams player. DQ Thomas, I think has just got the scheme limitations. He's a run and chase linebacker. You can't use him on the outside. He's going to be overmatched in coverage. He only goes about six, one and a half. You're going to have to put him on the inside, let him uh, do his thing in pursuit. But again, a guy that you're looking at as primarily a special teams player. Now, North Texas saw Jalen Darden go in round four, the first player drafted from the program since 2004. And it's possible, even after all that, that they could have another next April. And if not, pretty likely in 2023. And this guy plays the same position as Darden. That's junior wide receiver Jair Shorter. Played just three games last year due to a leg injury, but had 24 catches for 473 yards and nine touchdowns in 2019. He's got very nice size at 6'3", 212 pounds. Are the Mean Green suddenly a late-round wide receiver factory, Tony? You know, we'll see. My grade on Shorter is a six-round grade, primarily based off the 2019 film and the expectations of progress in his game. Now, I'm willing to throw last uh, last year's film out, primarily because, you know, he was injured. It was such a crazy year, but he's got a lot of upside. He's a big guy. He stands out on film. You know, he makes a lot of tough catches. He's got a lot of upside. It's a matter of him meeting that upside in order for Shorter to slide into the late rounds. They also have a defensive tackle by the name of Dion Noville, who two years ago in 2019, I thought he was going to be something special. I thought his game took a step back last year. He decided to come back for his second senior year. 6'1", 312, 312 pounds. He plays that interior position like a three-technique tackle, but at 312 pounds, he doesn't play strong at all, doesn't hold the point well, can't get off blocks. He's got some upside, but like Shorter, he's got to meet it, and he's got to do it much sooner because this is his last year on the college field. Now, Old Dominion joined FBS in 2014. Two players drafted since, both in 2019, with third-round defensive end O'Shane Ziminis and wide receiver Travis Fulgham, who made some noise in Philly last season. Not going to add to that number next April, though. Offensive tackle James Fagan is the top prospect for the Monarchs. Moves well, has some positional versatility to play guard as well as tackle. And then wide receiver Eric Kuma, 42 catches for 559 yards and seven touchdowns way back in 2018 at Virginia Tech. Transferred to Old Dominion, had 18 catches for 192 yards in four games in 2019 before he hurt his knee. 
then obviously the Monarchs didn't play football last season. So really almost a clean slate here for Kuma. Tony, what do you make of ODU's prospects? Yeah, interesting in that ODU was the only team in Conference USA who basically canceled the whole season. Kuma's got excellent size. He's shown flashes before. Obviously, he's got to get his game back on track. Fagan, I think, is, is underrated. Scouts, when you, you mentioned the name James Fagan of Old Dominion, they kind of shrugged their shoulders, but he's relatively athletic. Plays tackle for Old Dominion. I project him as a zone-blocking guard. Don't know that he's going to get drafted. In fact, I doubt he's going to get drafted. But the way he moves, I could see him catching on to a zone-blocking system as a backup. Now, Rice has a six-year draft route going after they had a player selected every year from 2011 to 2015. The top prospect on the Rice roster is wide receiver Bradley Rosner, 6'4", 209 pounds, 55 catches for 770 yards and five TDs in 2019, opted out of last season. If he can hit the ground running upon his return in 2021, there is an outside chance he can break that draft route. What do you like about Rosner, Tony? Very, very productive. Very, very reliable. At six foot four, 209 pounds, a real big target. Has short arms and small hands, which is going to hurt him. But he's a smart player who knows how to get free and, and, and catch the ball. Again, you're looking at a guy who's a bigger possession receiver who doesn't run real fast. But you know what? <laughs> Opponents know that when they line up and the ball's in the air, more times than not, it's going to Bradley Rosner, or at least it was in 2019, they couldn't stop him, uh, which I think will give him an inside track that if he doesn't get drafted, at least he'll have a chance to make an NFL roster as a fifth receiver. Now, Southern Miss right now is on an every other year pattern since 2016, as far as putting players in the draft. The last one they had selected was Quez Watkins, the wide receiver in 2020. It's unlikely that pattern continues with a pick in 2022 though, but it's not impossible. And it is more wide receivers leading the way for the golden Eagles in Demarcus Jones and Jason Brownlee, both recent Juco transfers, Jones, 29 catches for 265 yards and a touchdown in 2020. Brownlee, far better numbers, 34 catches for 615 yards and five scores. But despite the production, Jones, the slightly better prospect on your board here, Tony, the smaller, quicker receiver who separates better. Brownlee, more of a contested catch guy. And as we know with the NFL these days, separation tends to translate a little bit better and teams tend to target separators rather than contested catch receivers. Is that the main reason that you have Jones rated higher than Brownlee? Hands down. I mean, you watch the film, Brownlee comes away with a lot of difficult receptions, but the fact is he can't separate, can't separate through his routes, can't separate down the field. He's constantly battling opponents at Conference USA to come away with a difficult grab, which he does. I just think it's going to be a very tough uh, haul of it for him at the next level, although some scouts do give him uh, a potential seventh-round grade. One last guy, you mentioned Demarcus Jones, much quicker, finds a way to separate through his routes. Also keep an eye on their offensive lineman, Bryce Foxworth, the offensive guard, 6'2 and a half, 315 pounds, really a tough punch-in-the-mouth type of offensive lineman. Now UAB, three draft picks the past decade. Jordan Smith was taken back in round four in April, first pick for the Blazers since 2015. And next April could actually be their first time with picks in back-to-back years since 2001 and 2002. Offensive tackle Kadeem Telfort, 6'7 and a half, 335 pounds, plays left tackle for UAB, might end up being best on the strong side in the NFL. He does have the length and the strength to match those size numbers I mentioned. Tony, what else is it that you like about Telfort? Yeah, arms that are evidently, from what I'm told, over 36 inches long, which when you're six, seven and a half, 335 pounds, and he's a relatively mobile guy who's got great power, a tremendous amount of upside. If he capitalizes on his terrific play from 2020, 
and has a good senior year, I could absolutely see Telford sliding into the uh, seventh round. At the very least with Telford, if he doesn't make an NFL roster in 2022, you're looking at a guy that's definitely practice squad material because he's got a tremendous amount of upside. It's just a matter of him playing at a consistently high level and learning to do the little things well. He's got the size. He's got the arm length. He's got the mobility. He's got the strength. He's got all the ingredients there. Just has to be coached to play with it every single down. Now, the final Conference USA team on this show, Western Kentucky, 10 draft picks this decade, but none since 2018. And well, the Hilltoppers, as Tony kind of alluded to earlier, have the top-rated prospect in the conference, and it's really not even close. Linebacker D'Angelo Malone returning for his second senior season, graded entering last season as a third-rounder by scouts at 71 tackles, 11 for loss, and six sacks last year. The prior year, he had 99 tackles, 21 for loss, and 11 and a half sacks. So really great production from Malone, although he is six foot three, 230 pounds. So he's a bit small to have that level of impact as a pass rusher at the NFL level. Does have solid size for a modern day linebacker, though. So, Tony, break down Malone's game for us and any other prospects of note at WKU. Yeah, Malone is the only senior prospect other than Telford, who we just talked about from UAB, that I have graded as draftable. Granted, Malone is about four rounds better in the third round. You know, he's smart. He's feisty. He's quick. He's very athletic. He's built like a traditional weak side linebacker in a 4-3, although when they ask him to rush the passer, he does a good job. A year ago, Chris and I broke down the Western Kentucky Marshall game where Marshall's Josh Ball really got the better of D'Angelo Malone. But the thing is, Malone kept coming, play after play after play, snap after snap. He's got good speed off the edge. He gets excellent depth on pass drop, long arms, a guy who I think has got some position versatility. You can use him as a 4-3 outside linebacker. He can play some 3-4. Uh, you can use him as a pass rusher. I, I think a lot of people were surprised that he went back for that extra senior season because had he entered the 2021 draft off of his senior year of 2020, probably would have been a top 100, top 125 pick. Uh, I, I think much of the same this year, uh, unless he really knocks it out of the park or, gosh forbid, goes the other way. Western Kentucky also has a couple of uh, graduate transfers. Zach LeFerber, who the tight end from uh, Buffalo uh, it will be playing there this year, he's a potential late-round pick. Bailey Zapp, the quarterback from Houston uh, Baptist, as well as his receiver, uh, Ben Ratzliff. I don't know that they're draftable prospect. In fact, I, I think they're not draftable prospects, but it's going to be a lot of fun in Western Kentucky because if you watch Zapp or Ratzliff play at uh, Houston Baptist, they threw the ball in the air and they, and they put up a lot of yardage. I think uh, they're going to do the same thing this year in Conference USA. Now, moving on to the Sun Belt here, Appalachian State has had eight selections the past decade, two straight years with a draft pick, and three of the last four. Cornerback Sean Jolly could extend both of those streaks, followed up his five-interception season in 2019 with none in 2020 as teams threw at him a bit less, but he's got ball skills and speed. He's just a bit small, which certainly could limit him to sub-packages at the next level. Defensive teammates Demetrius Taylor and Ryan Huff also have a shot to be drafted. Taylor is an explosive 300-pounder, 84 tackles, 26 for loss with 13 sacks and five forced fumbles. The past two seasons, so pretty good production from him. And then Huff, as a first-year starting safety, 35 tackles and three interceptions. Not eye-popping numbers, but actually might have the most upside of this trio. And there are certainly some other Mountaineers worth discussing as well, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Fill us in, Tony. Yeah, I mean, Sean Jolly, in my opinion, is the prototypical dimeback, maybe nickelback. 
He gave serious consideration to entering last year's draft. I mean, if you watch the film, opposing quarterbacks were purposely staying away from him. I have him graded as a six-round pick. A lot of scouts have him graded as a uh, more of a street-free agent, from an undrafted free agent to a street-free agent. Guy's 5'9", 182 pounds, runs and plays in the mid to high 4'4s. He's got terrific ball skills. I absolutely think he's worth selecting in the later rounds or get, getting, getting late-round consideration, assuming he plays better in 2021 than he did in 2020. And he's been a good player in the past two years at Appalachian State. Like I said, he was seriously considering entering last year's draft before he decided to return. Demetrius Taylor, I thought he took a step back last year. He's a guy who plays lights out on every single down. He just goes hard. He goes hard. Six foot, one half inch, under 300 pounds. I mean, where do you play him? He's your prototypical three technique tackle, although he played some defensive end last year and he struggled at it. He's a three technique tackle and there's not, you know, a huge marker for that type of player. I don't think Taylor gets drafted, but I absolutely think he'll get a chance in camp and maybe be a backup for a, uh, a defense that lines up for defensive linemen. Huff is a guy who stands out every time on film, making plays against the run, making plays against the pass. You mentioned his numbers. He goes sideline to sideline. He's forceful. He's explosive. I like him better than Caden Smith, who's graded by scouts, uh, the senior, although Ryan Huff is a fourth-year junior. And then they got four receivers to keep an eye on. Thomas Hennigan, a senior. Corey Sutton, a senior. Jalen Virgil, a senior. Malik Williams, these guys either came back for another senior season or sat out in 2020 and are returning for their senior season. They all bring something different to the game. Hennigan's more of a possession receiver, uh, whereas Malik Williams is more of your speedy slot type guy. Jalen Virgil has got it all. He's got size. He's also got speed. He's a good pass catcher. I don't know that any of those four get drafted. I do think that some of them will make rosters next year as fifth receivers and or return specialists. And moving on to Coastal Carolina, just four picks the past decade, including Teron Jackson in April. But as Tony mentioned earlier in the show, this is a program on the rise. Four players with draftable grades this year alone after four picks over an entire decade. And the two seniors that have the top grades on the roster, tight end Isaiah Likely, 62 catches for 1,032 yards and 10 touchdowns the last two years. As those numbers show, he can make plays down the field. Also holds up as a blocker, though at six foot four and 245 pounds. And then you have defensive end Jeffrey Gunter, kind of an interesting story, sat out the 2019 season after transferring from Coastal Carolina to NC State. Then after sitting out a year, decides to come back to Coastal, got a waiver so that he didn't have to sit out a second straight season, racked up 58 tackles, 12 and a half of them for loss with six and a half sacks and six forced fumbles, made plays against both the run and the pass in 2020. Tony, talk to us about Lakely and Gunter and What's waiting among the Chanticleers underclassmen? Yeah, I mean, likely is a guy that if you followed me last year or, or you read the uh, game day blog over at Pro Football Network, I kept talking about week after week after week. He's basically a tight end who plays the position like a receiver. Big plays down the field, constantly catching the ball, shorthanded, solid speed. I mean, not a 4-5 guy, but someone who's going to run in the 4-6s and plays fast. Uh, as Chris said, you know, holds up as a blocker. Gives effort at the line of scrimmage, very effective on the second level. I presently give Isaiah Likely a third-round grade. I think if Likely had entered the 2021 draft, he would have been the fourth or fifth tight end coming off the board, but he had a foot issue, which is what pushed him back to school. Somehow, scouts grade him as a day-three selection. I think that's crazy. I think this guy's got all the makings as far as his athletic skills, his upside potential, big hands, pass-catching skills, 
growth potential to really develop into a number one tight end at the next level. Absolutely love this guy's game. I'm either going to be very right or I'm going to be very wrong on Isaiah Likely, but I think he's a day two pick. Gunther is a pass rusher who comes out of a three-point stance, stands over tackle. He's fierce. He impacted the game a lot last year for Coastal Carolina, made a lot of big plays for what was an exciting team. Decent size, speed numbers, 6'4 and a half, 260 to 265 pounds, plays in the four eights, a little bit stiff, but someone who still has an upside and is developing his game. They got two other guys to keep an eye on, underclassmen, Gerard Clark, number 15. If you watch Coastal Carolina play, you watch their defense, yet you can't help but not notice uh, Clark. He's a guy who takes up two blockers in the middle of the line. He's explosive. He's one of those shorter fire plug type players that's got great power, but he's also got good playmaking ability. And their quarterback, Grayson McCall, who a lot of scouts like. A lot of scouts think he has the potential to be a very early pick. I don't see him as that right now. He's smart. He's tough. He protects the football. He's an RPO type quarterback who picks up a lot of yards with his legs and makes big plays with his arm but he doesn't have a huge arm. doesn't have the ability to really drive it down the field. They got a lot of other guys to keep an eye on. I, guys who I don't think are going to be drafted, but could with big years. And, and guys that I think can make a lot of noise in NFL camps in 2022. Javon Hailey, the uh, receiver. Cameron Brown, the receiver who transferred from Charleston Southern, 6'2 and a half, 221 pounds. I think you put 10 pounds on him and turn him into a move tight end. And a very underrated cornerback by the name of the Jordan Strong, who's got outstanding ball skills. Moving a bit further south to Georgia Southern, seven selections over the past 10 drafts, including two in 2020, kicker Tyler Bass and cornerback Kendall Vildor. Another cornerback, Darrell Baker Jr., takes over as the top prospect on the roster after day two safety Kendrick Duncan, who we discussed on this show last year, transferred to Louisville. Baker, though, has good size, over six feet tall, 195 pounds, 31 tackles, one interception, and seven pass breakups last year as a first-year starter. If he can step his game up a bit as a senior, we could end up hearing his name in the late rounds. Absolutely. A guy who's plays smart football, plays tough football, doesn't do a bad job making plays with his back to the ball. As you mentioned, the size, six foot, one half inch, just under 200 pounds, plays fast. I, I absolutely think he's, he's a developmental prospect who – some scouts actually right now grade him as a mid-fifth round pick. I have him as a seventh round pick. There are other scouts who believe he's a uh, priority free agent. But if he elevates his game like the other players that we, we mentioned from the Sun Belt, I absolutely believe that Baker can move into the middle part of day three. Now, staying in the Peach State and looking at Georgia State, which has just three picks the past decade and none since 2017, that aside, the Panthers do have a young quarterback to watch. Richard sophomore Cornelius Brown, the fourth, 17 touchdowns, 10 interceptions in his first year as a starter in 2020, added 301 yards and seven touchdowns on the ground. And he's sort of similar, if way lesser known to a guy we discussed on our last show with the AAC and that's Cincinnati's Desmond Ritter with a slightly thinner frame though, but he's got a big arm. He's got good mobility. Brown, the main difference from him and Ritter is he has several more years in college to improve his game for the draft. Tony, how high do you think Brown can climb? In my opinion, if he continues to improve, if he fills out his frame, if he slightly improves his pass accuracy, you're looking at a top 60 pick. You could potentially be looking at a first round pick from Georgia State. I'll go out on that limb based on what I saw last year from him as a redshirt freshman. I mean, he's a mobile guy. He picks up yardage with his legs. 
He easily gets outside of the pocket and fires the ball downfield with a flick of his wrist. He has an NFL arm. He makes NFL-type passes. I think with Brown, it's just a matter of getting him more work, proper coaching, more development of his game. But the sky is the limit for this guy because of the physical skills and because of the football ability that he showed last year. Now we head a bit west to Louisiana, 10 draft picks the past decade for the Raging Cajuns, including running back Elijah Mitchell in April. And there are several potential third-day options on the roster, a couple of late-rounders in the secondary, junior cornerback Makai Garner, good size at six foot, 195 pounds, with ball skills as well, three interceptions and seven pass breakups last year. Senior safety Percy Butler showed his complete game in 2020, 44 tackles, two interceptions, six pass breakups, and one forced fumble, making plays all over the field against both the pass and the run. Senior offensive tackles Max Mitchell and Carlos Rubio also grayed out as late rounders. Rubio plays left tackle, a bit more mobile than his teammate who holds down the right side with power and length. And then there's also junior running back Chris Smith, who will take over as the top dog in the backfield with Mitchell and Trey Ragus gone. 62 carries for 350 yards and one touchdown last year. Also caught 16 passes for 170 yards and another score through the air. And I mean, the Raging Cajuns are always going to involve multiple backs. And Smith does lack feature back size, but I'm interested to see what he can do with more on his plate this year. This is a team that has had running backs selected in the draft in two consecutive years. Tony, what do you make of all these draft prospects at Louisiana? Yeah, I think Louisiana will battle with uh, Coastal Carolina as well as uh, Appalachian State for supremacy in the Sun Belt because they've got uh, they got numbers. They may not have the best players, but they got numbers. Mekki Garner, as you mentioned, he's got the physical skills. He's also got a developing game. He showed a lot of flashes last year. Guy who's able to make plays with his back to the ball. Uh, it's got a high upside. Percy Butler, who's a senior, graded as early as a six-round prospect by scouts, and that's where I have him on my board as a six-rounder. Not the fastest guy in the world, but plays smart, tough football. Good ball skills, good against the run. Just lacks those great computer numbers where if he was a little bit bigger as far as stouter at the point, maybe a little bit faster, you're talking about an early day three pick. I think right now you're looking mid-late day three, but he can play at the next level. Max Mitchell is a big, strong right tackle prospect who's got growth potential. Carlos Rubio is an athletic left tackle who I think can move into guard. Rubio is a fifth-year senior, although he's listed some places as a fourth-year junior because he gets to repeat a year. So I, I don't know. Uh, scouts have not really uh, mentioned him to me, and I think it's because of that. And like you say, I mean, Louisiana always finds a way to pump out good running backs, guys who are drafted, guys who make it uh, through free agency, and Chris Smith could be the next one. Now turning back east to look at South Alabama, has been a full-fledged FBS team since 2013. Two selections in the draft since then. Quan Baker back in April, as we mentioned, and also tight end Gerald Everett back in 2017. Their hope for a third pick to add to that list again lies with a pass catcher, wide receiver Jalen Tolbert, 64 catches for 1,085 yards and eight touchdowns last season. And those numbers are actually significantly better than the numbers that Baker has. And as a result, he's viewed as a better prospect than his former teammate among scouts, although the range is kind of wide for the 6'2", 198-pound wideout. Jalen Wayne is going to take over as the number two wideout after 33 catches for 418 yards and one score in 2020. Similar size to his teammate Tolbert, but nowhere near the production. And both of these guys are going to catch passes from former South Carolina and Utah quarterback Jake Bentley, once the next big thing early in his Gamecocks career. Now he's playing his sixth year of football, 
in college in the Sun Belt, which kind of says it all, doesn't it, Tony? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's kind of ironic. I don't want to say it's funny because it's not funny, but, you know, early in, as a freshman at South Carolina, you know, people were talking about Bentley as potentially the next franchise quarterback prospect, and it was been all downhill since. And ironically, since he left the South Carolina or since he fell out of favor in South Carolina, that program has gone downhill. So maybe there's, uh, you know, maybe there's something about that. Uh, they just fired their coach last year. They've never met expectations. Bentley's got the physical skills. He's just got to learn to protect the ball and be more uh, accurate. Getting back to Jalen Tolbert. Tolbert was a guy who really up until the end was given consideration to entering the 2021 draft, decided to go back to school. You mentioned his measurables. He makes some sensational catches on film. I just don't see him as anything special. Now, I have him as a six-rounder. There were some scouts I've spoken to who grade him as a seventh-round prospect. There are some scouts that look at Jalen Tolbert as a potential day-two pick. I don't see it with him. I like his game. But again, I mean, he's smart and he's tough. But I don't see anything other than maybe a number four or number five at the next level, which is why I grade him as a six-rounder. Now, Texas State, just two picks since 2006. Both of them came actually in 2015. But the Bobcats do have a chance to sneak in the draftee late next April. And that is senior wide receiver Marcel Barbie. 40 catches for 584 yards and 10 scores in 2020. In his first year in FBS after a JUCO transfer, has nice size at six foot, 198 pounds, should run somewhere in the range of the four fives. And really that number could definitely affect whether or not he ends up being drafted. Long arms, consistent hands, super quick. You know, you mentioned he runs in the four fives, but he plays much faster. Does a great job coming back to the ball. If you ever watched a Texas State play, and Texas State was on TV a lot last year because of the fact that the Sun Belt was one of the few conferences that started their season on time. I mean, Barbie always stands out, consistently catching everything, coming away with the contested grab, coming away with the difficult grab, finds ways to come free. I graded him as a seventh rounder. Most scouts that I spoke to grade him as a priority free agent. You know, I just... You know, you go back to Tolbert, who's graded by some scouts as a, a day two pick. You look at Barbie, who catches everything about an inch and a half smaller than uh, than Tolbert. Uh, same weight, basically plays to the same size. Uh, I just think that Barbie is, is a guy that, you know, has got an absolute chance to be drafted in the late rounds as a receiver return specialist. They also have another uh, receiver there by the name of Julian Ortega Jones, who transferred to Texas State from Bowling Green, uh, which is a program that's just been difficult to watch. Uh, back in 2019, Ortega Jones showed flashes of ability uh, at Bowling Green, kind of fell off a cliff last year. He's going to try and jumpstart his career at Texas State. If he does, I don't know that he's going to be draftable, but he's a guy who I think could make ways and, and get a, a priority free agent contract. Now we will wrap up this week's show with Troy, a program that has had two selections, the past 10 drafts, most recently Antonio Garcia in the third round in 2017, two senior UDFAs of note for the Trojans, cornerback Terrence Dunlap, three interceptions and six pass breakups in 2020 after returning from an academic suspension that cost him the 2019 campaign. He's not quite six feet tall, thin frame, but does have the ability to make plays on the football and coverage. And then wide receiver Reggie Todd tied for the team lead with six touchdown catches in 2020, 43 catches for 530 yards overall. And he went 38 catches for 666 yards and five scores in 2019 as well. Big 6'4", 208-pound frame. Also returns kicks 
as well for the Trojans. Even took one back for a touchdown back in 2019. Tony, take us home here with your breakdown of Troy. Terrence Dunlop is a guy who I've watched since his freshman year, and he shows flashes of ability and coverage. I like his game. I think he's more of a dime back at the next level. I have him graded as a priority free agent. I could see him, though, moving into the late rounds if he has a big year. Reggie Todd is someone who, when you watch film, he's just constantly making big play after big play. You know, as you mentioned, 6'4", 208 pounds, runs and plays in the mid four five, so he's going to struggle getting that separation. Long arms, big hands, consistent pass catcher. Again, I, I mean, with Todd, it's one of those situations where he's a bigger receiver who's going to have to run well prior to the draft. He's going to have to run a good 40 time, good shuttle, show some a good quick 10 times so he can beat defenders off the line of scrimmage. But the fact is this, the guy can catch the ball and the guy makes a lot of difficult catches and the guy makes a lot of difficult catches on a consistent basis. So even if he's not drafted, I think that Todd will absolutely have an uh, opportunity, you know, to make an NFL roster as a fifth or sixth receiver. It'll be interesting to see with the senior ball at South Alabama University, I would expect Jalen Tolbert, the receiver we just talked about, and maybe Reggie Todd being invited to the 2022 Senior Bowl. And that's it for the 198th episode of The Draft Analyst, presented by Bet Online and the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask us any questions and give any feedback you may have as well. We're off here for the next two weeks, but we'll be back again with another show to wrap up the month of July. Until then, on behalf of Tony Pauline, I'm Chris Tricotti, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.